Good afternoon, and I'm so glad to have you here. So glad to know that you are here to receive the word of God. Uh, I'm telling you, in a day like we live in, it is very, very impossible for us to navigate life, the circumstances of life, the trials of life, and, you know, even the success of life. You know, sometimes people get overthrown by difficulties, but then there again, there are some people that get overthrown by success. When success comes in, it seems like, man, they forget that who they are, what they are, and uh, it has the same challenge. So I want to encourage you to keep yourself rooted and grounded in the word of God so you know that the decisions that you are making, you're making those that are in line with your assignment those that are in line with the power of God and with your Jehovah Jireh. What do I mean? That it'll always keep you in the place where God can provide for your life. Amen. Well, enough about that today. Uh, what I'm going to share with you is pretty much a spinoff, uh, a parallel to what I'm just saying to you. Today, I want to talk to you or this evening, I want to talk to you. Uh, from the subject of the importance of spiritual food, the importance of spiritual food. Now, you might think that as believers, we all know the importance of spiritual food. We mentally assent to it. We understand the, the theory of it. We understand the application of it, but we are missing the reality of it. Are you listening and I want you to listen today because many people right now that are destitute, many people right now that are struggling in certain areas that it seems like it's impossible for you to move on from, uh, it's because you don't have the spiritual strength. The Bible says it is the spirit of a man that will, will sustain him in his infirmities, but a wounded spirit, a spirit with a breach in it, who can bear? So I want to talk to you about this subject, and I want to start off with something that we can all relate to, and we're talking about the parallel between spiritual and natural food. We know that natural food is vital for sustaining life. Without proper nourishment, we find that the human body becomes weak, and it cannot function properly. In this day and time, in the life that we live, the society that we live in, people are very much aware of their natural bodies. They spend hours upon hours trying to chisel their bodies, trying to tuck, trying to squeeze, trying to hide, trying to, trying to, <laughs> I want to think of some more adjectives, but I'll leave that alone. You get the picture. We spend hours upon hours trying to make sure we are presentable on the outside. We want to look good. We want to wear the nice clothes that are fitting in all to the right places. You know, we want to look good for a first appearance. Uh, uh, we, you know, that is what society does. That's why Facebook is so successful. Because that is your time to shine, your time to advertise the goods, your time for people to be able to look and say, wow, 
don't they look wonderful? But you know, <laughs> the condition of our spirit man, which is the inner source of our strength and endurance, is sometimes we are unaware and it's left unnoticed. And I might say, undervalued. You know why? Because it's like that room you got in the back. No one is going to go in there, so it doesn't really matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter the condition of it. And we are like that with our spirit. In our spirit, we begin to believe that no one knows what's in me. Even some of us quote the scripture. What things know for man except the spirit that is within him. So no one knows what's on the inside of me. And as long as I keep up the right appearance on the outside, people will believe I am balling. I got it going on. Everything in my life is check all the boxes. But the truth of the matter is we're suffering on the inside. We're suffering on the inside. And it's just like uh, a bad stain that will eventually leak to the outside. And that is the reason why many times we can't endure. It's because of the condition of our spirit. Jesus, he emphasized this because he knew that we would be out of balance. He knew that man would get out of balance. The more distractions that he had, the more opportunity that he had for other things, other people. But he emphasized this in Matthew 4 and 4. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word, every word, not just the Ten Commandments, not just your favorite scriptures, not just the ones that you can prosper on, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And the reason why he said that is because every word will give you a balanced disposition. Every word. It will cause you to be able to understand the goods, the bads, the unknown in life, every word. So he knew that man is both physical. The Bible says that which is natural come at first, then that which is spiritual. So you get an opportunity to train for your spiritual walk based off of your natural walk. But many people are satisfied when the natural appears to be in order. But on the inside, they are timid. On the inside, they are insecure. On the inside, they are fearful. On the inside, they struggle with life, with people. They struggle with the small basic things. And so here we know that the root to many of our problems are identified when we ignore spiritual nutrition. Let that sink in. We ignore spiritual nutrition. How many people miss a day eating? That's rhetorical because you all just thought about what you just ate. How many times have you read your Bible? How many times did you go to the scriptures for directions? See, that seems to be 
an option. And me telling you this is not going to change some people. But I hope someone can identify with where they are. Go with me, if you would, with 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's continue to expound upon this point. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, the Bible says, <clears throat> verse 1, wherefore, wherefore, I'm going to start at verse 1. I thought about starting at verse 2, but I will go back to 1 because I just got, uh, uh, I guess, a valid point. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speaking. These are things that I was saying a few minutes ago that tend to creep into our lives when we are not spiritually nourished. But then the Bible goes on to say here in Peter, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babes Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby as a baby. One thing you understand about milk, and let's look at it in the context of a baby. Milk is not only essential for growth, but to sustain life. So milk doesn't just grow you, but it also continues to sustain you so you can endure in life. Milk refers to a working understanding of this new life in Christ. Milk. It goes on to say here is that it is the first principles of the doctrines of Christ. The first principles. How to, how to grow. How to walk in love. How to understand God's character. How to take the, uh, the promises of God and walk in faith. All of these things are the first principles. These are the first things that you learn when you come into Christ. Many people got saved, and after that, they never grew, not beyond that point, because they never learned the first principles, the first doctrines. They never learned the, the, uh, the, having understanding of God's character. And the Bible tells us to desire the sincere milk of the word, to long for it, to crave. You know, when a baby is hungry, a baby will begin to make a scene when they are hungry. You know, people do that in the natural. When people are hungry for something to appease their flesh, they get all bent out of shape. They get to the place where they are short-tempered. They can't stand to be around people. They have a problem with people in general. And they, when they don't have their way in the natural, they begin to, have the old people say, they throw a hissy fit. You understand what I'm saying? They make it known. They get your attention. Or they attempt to get your attention to let you know, hey, for the record, I am dissatisfied. For the record, I want you to know I'm not pleased. For the record, I want you to know. And these are all signs of spiritual immaturity because that's what a babe does. But the Bible tells us to long for it, to crave, to desire the sincere milk of the word. 
that you may grow thereby. Why? Why does the Bible admonish us to desire milk, to desire the sincere milk of the word, you would say, to grow thereby? But here's the other side of that coin. The other side of that coin is that when you don't have milk, just like a newborn babe, you die. Now, this process of dying, you begin to drift away from the things of God. They become irrelevant. They become an option. They become unuseful. That is the process or the beginning of the process that is referred to as spiritual fatalism. Spiritual fatalism. What is that? What happens is it constitutes an attitude that is developed. Spiritual fatalism is a feeling that generic forces, family forces, the forces of your past experience, or even the forces of your present circumstances are just too strong to allow you to ever change. Did you get that? It is when you feel stuck. How many of you out there right now have come to a place where you all but throw thrown your hands up? You feel stuck. You feel like it was my past that I can't get over. You feel like things happened to me in the past and I can't get by them. You feel like that there are things that are happening in my present circumstances that are just too big for me to overcome. You feel like that my family and things in my family has caused a hereditary trap and I can't get out of it. This has been passed down to me and I am walking in what was inherited. How many of you go on to feel like not only that, there are generic forces that I have no idea that is causing me to live in Lodabar, to live in a place that I can't seem to trigger a breakthrough. Many times, that's what people do. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So all I'm trying to say to you is, is that many times we feel that way, and that's called spiritual fatalism. It's when you feel stuck and convinced that you have maxed out your development. Where you are right now, I will never grow beyond where I am right now. I am, you know, you come to a place, to be honest with you, is that there is a line that you cross. You grow to a place that you feel like you can no longer grow or you no longer desire to grow. And then you start mastering the art of faking it. You master the art of pretense. And as long as you develop a strong enough case in the natural to pretend that you're somewhere, you will settle for that and never actually arrive. Let that marinate for, for a minute because many people are in that place. A lot of people won't admit it. But many people are living in that place right now. And they are living in the place called I'm all I will ever be. 
Now, faith people will never say that. But if you watch how people live, you can tell because they're in the same place today that they was three years ago. You know, you may have gotten a new car. <laughs> you know, that doesn't constitute spiritual growth. You still respond the same way that you used to. You still act the same way to trials and tests and tribulations. You have not progressed any further in moving the kingdom, not only in your life, but in the life of other people. You are just at the same place. That's why the Bible says about the children of Israel, how long will you go around this mountain? You are in the same place that you was three years ago, four years ago, and nothing really has developed or changed. You want more, but in reality, you don't see how it's possible. You want more. Listen, there's not a person out here right now that doesn't want anymore, but this is the effects of spiritual fatalism. Spiritual fatalism, in short, is when you still have hope of a better life, but you no longer have a desire to accomplish it. Oh, boy. You got to get that. Most people right now are living on hope. You hope to change. You have an active hope working in your life, but you have lost desire. See, the Bible says hope deferred make it the heart sick. But when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. See, desire will cause you to actively pursue it. It will cause you to gain ground on what you're hoping for. But when you have a stagnant hope where you just sit back and you hope something is different tomorrow than it was today, you are declining through the process called spiritual fatalism. You are dying without knowing it. Now, let me go on. It's when you not, you're not ready for a greater truth or a new reality in your life. There are a lot of people right now that want more. They hope for more but they are not ready. You know, a greater truth in life could be a confrontational truth that confronts you only. I remember one time I had a desire. This was many years ago, and I'm not where I want to be. But many years ago, I think I got up to about 260 pounds. I know you were like, how much you weigh now? 90. <laughs> I can tell you it's not 260, though. You can believe that. And I was thinking all of this time, I had a hope of getting back somewhere close to where I used to be. But boy, I was I was eating all those granny donuts and everything else that I could get my hands on. I was just loving life with that stagnant hope until one day I walked past the mirror and I got this Alfred Hitchcock portrait. Look at somebody and say, you can laugh. He's talking about him. That's right. Get your laugh on. Stay away from the mirror. 
However, I saw myself in the mirror and I backed up and I took a double take. And I said to myself, self, self said, yes. I said, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And I saw myself eating everything that I wanted to eat. I saw myself, you know, it's ridiculous. And I became grieved. I did not like me anymore. See, that's where some of you got to be. Some of you got to come to the point that you don't like you anymore. See, it's easy for you not to like me. It's easy for you not to like your cousin. It's easy for you not to like your neighbor. It's easy for you not to like someone on your job. But, you know, your change may not come until you get to the place you don't like you anymore. See, boy, I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. Because many of you tolerate yourself, and that's why you never change. Because you tolerate yourself. You are not. You are harder on everybody else than you are yourself. You need to look at yourself sometime when you're jealous and envious and say, you know what? That's that's nasty. I need to stop this. Why am I jealous of them when I got the same ability to do the same thing that they have? I just didn't want to work for it. Say it. Say it. Get along. Look at yourself in the mirror and say it. Why am I always mad with everybody? I'm mad with everybody all the time. It can't be everybody all the time. This has been happening all my life. I don't like you anymore. You are, yeah, look at yourself and say, you are a nasty individual. Look at someone if you got all of these insecurities. Go to the mirror and say, why are you so jacked up in your emotions all the time and you care so much about what everybody else is thinking, how everybody else is feeling, and guess what? Every time I need my rent paid and I need my house payment paid, I don't see a check from them. Whenever I get sick, I don't hear them say, I'm praying for you. Whenever I go on my job, no one is saying, you can have my promotion. Why am I so insecure? And I worry so much about all of these people that don't make a difference in my life. You need to get a hold of yourself and say, I don't like you anymore. Because Proverbs 28 and 1 says, the righteous is bold as a lion. Maybe, just maybe, I lack righteousness. This was not in my notes, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody's getting delivered. You need to say it to yourself. I'm always worried all the time. Why? It comes down to this. Either I'm going to change it or it's going to change me. Stop right here. Take a praise break or rend your garments <laughs> and get your heart while you're at it. <laughs> Did you see what I'm saying? We put too much energy in all of this stuff that doesn't matter. All of the people that doesn't matter. Sure, you should you want people to think well of you. But if they don't. Sure, you should, you should want people to be proud of the things that you do and accomplish. But if they don't, look at someone and say, but if they don't, 
Some of you had to say that by faith because you would go right back to being insecure after this. You go right back to being timid after this. You go right back to being angry after this. And you will never change until you look yourself in the mirror, have a confrontation with yourself and say to yourself, I don't like you anymore. Praise God. Let me move on. Let me. And now I hope the impact of this is greater. See, because sometimes you're not ready for a, a new reality. You're not ready for a greater truth, a greater truth than the one you've been living in. You know, Jesus said this in St. John. He was talking to the disciples in St. John chapter 16 and verse 12. He said, I have many things that I want to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. The same way some people that are listening to what I'm telling you right now, you can't bear what I'm saying right now. You can't go to the mirror and say that right now. You know why? Because you like the poser. You like the person that you pretend to be. You let me let me tell you something. You got to never tolerate that person and not like them anymore if you're going to change. You don't leave a job until you've had enough. You don't leave a relationship until you have had enough. You don't move out of a place until you have had enough. Yeah, you, the first step is you tolerate it. You look at all the inadequacies. You say, this is not really meeting my need anymore. However, it's going to cause me a life change. And so you tolerate it. But you come to a place in your life and all of these instances to where I have had enough. I'm up to here. Enough is enough. And I'm not going to take it, swim or sink, hell or high water, I'm done. And when you get to that place, then and only then will you move to another place. Too many people are tolerating their inadequacies. They are tolerating the person that they are. You got to come to a place where you put, you get tired of putting up with that. A lack of growth will hold you back. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. I really want you to see this. Um, and this is what Paul was saying. In light of what I just shared with you, I want you to see the significance of it. I want you to see the reality of it. And I hope that you take some of this to heart. Look at this. Paul said in chapter 3, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians but for right now, friends, he said, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You are acting like infants in relations to Christ, capable of nothing more, uh, much more than nursing at the breast. Well, then, I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. See, not ready for a new reality. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good, what makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only with everything when everything is going your way? Boy, did you get that? He said, all you want is to be nursed. See, it takes effort for you to eat. But for you to be nursed, Someone has to hold you. Someone literally has to prop up and support your head. 
someone near uh, has to bring it to you. And then you will sit right there and nurse until you go to sleep. What he's saying is, is he, he said, you don't seem to be capable of anything else because you always grab for what makes you feel good, what makes you comfortable. You never want to be out of your comfort zone where the friction of being out of your comfort zone is going to cause you to have to adapt. See, when you grow, you go to another level and you have to adapt to another level. But as long as you are just being nursed with what makes you feel good, you never have to adapt. You're like, okay, bring it to me again. Paul said, I am completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. Now, this is the man of God. You know, I guess you don't think he should feel like this, but he said, I am. I'm frustrated with it. And sometimes people still like themselves enough that some people will never change. Some people have a greater tolerance for mediocrity. They do. They can tolerate a lot of stuff for a long time. But you got to come to a place where you look at it, evaluate it, see it for what it is, and stop acting. Like you saw something else. The Bible says it's like looking in the mirror and walk away from that mirror and straightway or immediately forget what you saw. Forget the adjustments you seem like you needed to make. Look at this. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter five. I want to get some more out here. Hebrews chapter five. I want to read this. The Bible says in. Okay, no, 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 look at this. He said, for when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. What he is saying is, there is a time span when right now you should have people under your wing. You should be teaching people the same things you learn when you needed something, when you needed encouragement, when you needed someone to lift you up, when you needed someone to help you out, whether it was emotionally, whether it was financially, whether it was spiritually, you could call someone and you would say, hello, I just need to talk to someone. And someone was there. You forgot what people did for you. So you don't, you don't retain knowledge of what to do for anybody else. So he said, there is time you should be teaching other people. There is times when you should have someone under your wing. There are some people right now have no one under their wing. They're not helping anyone else. You got saved with, 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 with Melchizedek. And still, there is no one you are nurturing. That's not right. That's not Bible. That's not God. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. Why? Because the more you give, the more you receive. But when it's not a, a, the law of reciprocity, you pull on people. When there's nothing ever coming back, it's always you giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out. That begin to wear people down. Are you listening? 
I'm not telling you not to get help from people. If you need help from people, get help from people. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But I am saying it should be for a season until you have learned how to do it yourself. He said you should you should teach you have need that someone teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. In other words, he said, you have not developed teeth. You have not chosen to chew. You have not chosen to come out of your comfort zone. You like being in the position where you are spoon fed. See, this is the reason for spiritual food. Because natural food all day long will nourish you. But guys, we are lacking in spiritual development. We are lacking. Look at someone in the notes anonymously and say, I need you to help me sometime. <laughs> Praise God. See, I gave you the opportunity to say it. <laughs> Look at verse 13. For, for everyone that uses milk, is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, this is very important. Everyone that uses milk, everyone that is still being nourished, everyone that is still being nurtured, everyone that is still being spoon-fed is unskillful. They don't know how to use the word of righteousness. Now, why is that righteousness? Righteousness, excuse me. Righteousness is simply they are they are unfamiliar with the character, the laws, the active disposition in a given circumstance that God provides us through his word. They have not yet developed that because all of their energy and their strength was to develop the natural. Spiritually, they are in decline. Naturally, they are blowing up. Did you get what I'm saying? This is this is one of one of the translations here. For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskillful in the doctrine of righteousness, which is God's character and God's will. Most people don't know God's will. We talked about this the other day about people knowing what their assignments are. Most people don't know what their assignments are. Most people don't realize right now what God wants them to do. So they choose to do what they want to do in life at the expense of their assignment. So they're unskillful. Are you listening? As you mature in the things of God, you will not be easily tricked and manipulated by the enemy. A lot of times when people call me or say, hey, I need help and this or that, I always try to identify where the enemy is in this situation and find out, has the enemy 
convinced you of something. That's where I have to start with the counsel. We have to undo what the enemy has done. Because if you already knew it, you wouldn't be calling. <laughs> now, don't take that offensively. I am just saying it happens. I have to call bishops sometimes. Because I don't take for granted that the enemy may not have maneuvered somewhere and I may have missed it. So I listen. And I always notate that in case I ever have to call again for the same thing. I just go back to the repertoire and say, this is what he told me. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so is the enemy. That's the part we don't know. See, the Bible says, is all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all that's in the world. Well, he did that in the garden. The lust of the flesh told Eve, eat the, eat the fruit. Then look at the fruit, because this fruit right here, man, it looks good to the eyes. And then it desired to make one wise. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he told Jesus, he said, turn the stone into bread, lust of the flesh. He took him up on a high pinnacle, showed him the kingdom, lust of the eyes. Then he said, prove that you're the son of God. Throw yourself down, pride of life. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So is the enemy. And we forget that when he do a sneaky move on us because we are unskillful in the word of righteousness. Moving right along, and let's finish this. I have to finish. St. John chapter 6. And this is what Jesus said. St. John chapter 6. Let's look at verse 53. Then said Jesus unto them, talking to his disciples and the people that followed him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They thought because they was unskillful in the word of righteousness, Jesus was putting out a cannibalism doctrine. This man talking about eating my flesh, drinking my blood. Who is this? This count Jesus or what? See, they were easily deceived. And he said, verse 64. Uh, 54, whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed. Remember, I wanted to give you uh, meat, but I couldn't. Why? Because you were not ready for a new reality in your life. So I had to keep giving you milk. But if you eat of my flesh, he said, it's meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwell in me and I in him. See, this was the situation, and I'll close with this. The situation was the crowd kept following Jesus, and Jesus kept meeting their needs without their participation. When Jesus decided to remove that crutch from under them, when Jesus decided that it's time for you to accept the new reality. And instead of you waiting on me to nurture you, it's time for me to show you how to be nurtured. It's time for me to teach you how to go to another level so you can in turn help other people go to another level. The Bible says, listen, many went back and followed him no more. Check yourself. You might be in a place right now 
that you are going back and not following him anymore because you are not ready for a new reality. He's trying to get you to go to a higher place and you have regressed to a place you used to live in. You are going back. You are not moving the kingdom forward. You are, you are stepping back from the kingdom and you no longer pray. You don't win people to God. There is nobody new in your circle. You don't do any of these things because you still need milk. And if you are required to chew, then you go back like they did and follow him no more. So Jesus was con contrasting between temporary satisfaction and enduring contentment. When you take milk, you have to continuously keep getting milk by the hands of another. But when you learn to eat, you know, it's the, we hear this in the natural. If you uh, uh, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach him how to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. Well, this is the whole point of the fivefold ministry is to teach people how to teach others. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, Ephesians 4 that they may do the work of the ministry. See, for the perfecting of the saints, maturing of the saints, that they may do the work of the ministry. Are you listening? So this is the reason to teach, to teach. We have no joy in teaching the same thing over and over and over. You know, sometimes the people are accusing pastors sometimes. Why you keep teaching the same thing? Because you never got it. Why am I going to teach something else and you didn't get this? And I tell you, there's one of the greatest grievances with a pastor or, or, or a teacher is when you can't go forward and empty yourself of all the new stuff that you've learned. And you have to keep teaching the same thing over and over and over because people refuse to get it. So Jesus said, I got many things I want to say to you, but right, you can't bear them right now. Paul said the same thing. I wanted to give you meat. There is meat. I wanted to give it to you, but I couldn't because you can take it. So they basically say about the teacher, you know, he ain't anointed no more. He ain't got the anointment on him no more. No, no, no. You have not received the anointment, sweetheart. <laughs> receive the engrafted word with meekness. Receive. The teacher doesn't receive. The teacher teaches. The pupils learn. So we closing. So Jesus was discerning or giving the difference between temporary satisfaction and enduring contentment. We choose the wrong food in life and we remain dissatisfied. That's why most people right now in the body of Christ are still discontent, discontented. That's, that's why they're dissatisfied. That's why they're bored. That's why things right now have lost its luster. It's because we're choosing the wrong nourishment. Your natural nourishment won't do nothing for you spiritually. I can tell you that right now. So in closing, it goes back to righteousness. Remember, Jesus is talking about God's character and God's will for your life. 
Matthew 5 and 6 says that he that hunger and thirst after God's righteousness, God's character, God's will shall be filled. When you hunger, long, crave after God and after his will. And I'll close with this quick, short analogy. When you were a kid, that's one of the reasons why it was when you went on a vacation, you went on a trip, a family trip. That's why it was so easy to stay awake when you were on your way there, because all of the stuff you saw was new. All of the stuff you saw was unfamiliar. And that was the reason why you slept all the way home is because I've seen this before. That's why a lot of Christians are asleep, because they have seen this before, because nothing is new anymore, because there's only so many ways you can do milk. <laughs> are you listening? Well, praise God. I hope you got this. I hope that you were blessed by the word of God. And I hope you were able to look in the mirror and be ready for a new reality. Praise God, because when you are, you will come out of that room seeking the new you. Don't drag that old thing back out of there. Don't go back in there and come back out with the same old person. Because anything that did will eventually begin to stink it. <laughs> well, praise God. Lord, we thank you for your grace for the word of God. We know we are encouraged because we know you are the God of enlightenment, the God of encouragement. Bless your people. Cause the word to stick in their spirit that, Father, they will forever be changed. We give you the praise, the honor, and glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. I'm so glad that you were here today. Look at somebody and say, I'm glad you were here. So whatever you do, whenever you do it, however you do it, make sure you are doing it with the right food. Then you can really keep it real.